We bless you. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Father. He is so good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. Woo. Man, thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Thank you, team. So love and appreciate, appreciate you. And well, Jurgen boys, isn't it awesome having a mom on staff who gets the mic and can talk about you? That's, that was pretty funny. That was pretty cool. And uh, great story, Pastor Lisa. Thank you for sharing that with us and reminding us of how good our Heavenly Father is. Well, Good morning, Victory Christian Center, and happy Father's Day to all the dads. And, and uh, hey, just want to look right straight into the camera and welcome our online campus. Can we give it up for our friends and family watching online? We're so glad that you've tuned in and, and are watching and joining us here. It's a, it's a great day. I've been, my wish for all the dads is that today you would eat good food and take a good nap. That's my wish for you, and I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a present for you today. And my present to you is that my sermon has only one point. It's a one-point sermon, and there's only one thing that I want you to remember today, and I'm, I'm actually being serious. It's one thing I want you to remember, and we'll get, that, we'll get to that in just a moment. But I'm also wishing that, because there's a lot of dads that are here that also have the title of husband. And so my wish for you is that you would break the wife code at some point in your journey of marriage. You guys know what the wife code is? You, you do know what the wife code is. It's, it's when your wife says to you, honey, can you go to the kitchen and grab the whatever from the cupboard? When my wife says that to me, there are 15 options that I have at that point. Because it's, the, it's a code, right? And she's expecting you to have, have know exactly which cupboard she's talking about. So I asked her to clarify. She says, the one by the sink. Okay, great, thanks. That narrows it down to five cupboards. Thank you very much. So my prayer for you is that you would, yeah, you, you mean, Pastor Juan, do you mean that you have the same stupid gene that my husband has? Yes, I do. I suffer from the same giftedness of, of manhood. Um, another another, another uh, wife code is, is when my wife says, um, honey, we ran out of toilet paper. When she says that, my mind immediately goes to, man, thanks for the info, right? Because the translation in my mind, what she is meaning to say is, my next step is when I got to go, I just, just run in the kitchen, grab some napkins. That's what that means. But no, it's code. And the code is, go to the store and buy some toilet paper, right? See, some of you, are, you already know wife code. And so my prayer for you guys is, is that you would get wife code. And I'm slowly getting there. I have not even come close. I was going to say master it. I'm not, I mean, I'm not even, I wouldn't say good at it, but I'm getting there a little bit. It takes faith. And that's why we're talking about faith these last three weeks. Listen, next week, we are kicking off our summer series and we are actually going to be kicking off a summer initiative that I'm not going to go into detail as, as to what it is. There will be an email going out this week that will explain a little bit about our summer initiative. We're kicking that off next week, and we're going to be challenging all of us to some exciting things this summer. We are excited about our summer initiative. Yes, I'm going to be very cryptic about it because you're going to have to come back and be a part of next Sunday service as we kick off our summer initiative. Our team has been working on it. We've been praying about it, and we're excited about this summer at Victory Christian Center and the communities that we are a part of. And so that's going to be kicking off next Sunday. But today we are wrapping up our series on wavering faith. And so how many of you have appreciated the last two Sundays? You believe you've learned something? You're growing in your faith. And, and so we started off the series by talking about the different kinds of biblical faith. And we, we looked at saving faith, saving faith, and the fruit of faith, the fruit of faith, and also the gift of faith. We talked that, about that the first week. Last week, we talked about faith is not what you see. Faith is what you hear. That if all you go by is what you see, 
you will not be a faith-filled man or woman. You would be a fearful man or woman. Because oftentimes what we see contradicts what God says. And so we have to be people, the Bible says, that we walk by faith, what we hear, and not by, not by sight, what we see. And so we talked a little bit about that last week. And so today, today we're going to be wrapping up our series. And I believe, you know, the series has been important because if there's an area that God wants to grow in our life, it's our faith. It's our faith. My wife and I and our team here at Victory, we have been in a season of prayerful discovery about our unique position within the Great Commission and where God is taking us as a congregation. And for that, we have to be able to have the faith to believe not just what we see God doing, but what we hear Him saying. If we believe that the best is yet to come, if what our spiritual mom and dad have said for years is true, that their ceiling is our floor, my, 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 what God is going to do is so much bigger, is so much greater than we can all ask or imagine or even fathom. And so we need faith to be able to say, yep, this is where God is taking us and this is what we're believing Him for. And so this series has been important. In fact, Jesus said, when I come back to earth, will I find faith in men and women on the earth when I return? And faith is this. Faith is simply trusting God. If you want to boil it down to the, 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 the least common denominator, faith is trusting God. Faith is not trusting in your ability to muster up enough faith. Faith is not trust in your pastor or in your denomination or even in your own faith. Faith, simply put, is trusting God. And I want to talk to those of you today who may feel like you're just settling in life. You just kind of come to a place where you've settled. That there might have been a time, might have been a time of in the past where you had, you had a little more faith to see God move, a little bit more passion that God was going to answer your prayer. You believed that God was going to move in a tangible way and it was a season where you sensed His presence daily, that, that you'd, you, you'd be led by His Spirit, that you would see the miraculous and you were believing God for great things and there was a time that you were believing for so much more but you've kind of come to a place in your faith where you're kind of willing to settle. You're kind of come to that place where it's like, God, do something, anything, to show me that you're there. And it could be in a number of different ways. It, it might, maybe you're a young gal and you hope to be married and you have great faith. God, give me a husband. Six foot, black hair, give me a man. I name him and claim him. He will love long walks on the beach, love old movies. He'll, he'll be able to kiss like he's full of the Holy Ghost. A good job. Give me a man, God. And then five years go by. God, give me a man. One that is male. A job, it's a blessing, but it's, it's not mandatory, right? You settled. God, thank you for this children. I will raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We will have Bible studies every day. I will tuck them in and read them C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien, and we will just... We'll have Pinterest parties. <laughs> then a few years go by. God, these children, 
Help me not take them out. The patients are running the insane asylum. They're driving me crazy. Help me, God. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then there's serious hurts. God, I, I thought, I thought you, you'd heal her. And you didn't. God, I, I thought you'd reach him. And it's, it's not happening. And you settle. And I came to bring a word of hope and faith to those of you who have lowered your expectations of what God can do in your life. And I want to give you a single statement. And I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would brand this statement in your soul. I told you, dads, my gift to you this morning is a one-point sermon, and this is it. So if you're going to write anything down today, write this one down. If you're going to remember anything that I said today, remember this. And that is that you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. I know you're writing it down, and I'll give you a moment to do that because I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to expect you to respond like Victory Christian Center. You have no idea what the amazing God of the universe, the miracle that He can produce and do in your life through a single seed planted in faith. Somebody thank God and get excited about what God can do. And I'd like for all of us to turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible I heard about I heard about a pastor who, when he got born again, someone handed him um, just the New Testament. And, um, and, and so when, when he was asked to, when he was in a, a setting like this, and, and the pastor said, turn to the first book of the Bible, he opened up to Matthew while everyone was in Genesis. And he just, he thought he had a wrong Bible. He didn't know. But Genesis is the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 15. And, you know, with it being Father's Day, we're going to look a little bit at what the Bible um, calls the father of our faith. Actually, the prophet Isaiah says that he's your father Abraham. And we're going to look at Abraham's life. Look at that for a few moments today and, and look at his story in Genesis chapter 15. So, Genesis chapter 15, we're going to look at that in just a moment, but if you go back, you don't have to, but if you go back in your mind to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12 is the promise chapter. Genesis chapter 12 was the chapter where God visits a man by the name of Abram and his wife Sarai. Those were the names of Abraham and Sarah before God changed their names. So God meets with Abram and Sarai, and God tells Abram in Genesis 12, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use your life, and I'm calling you out of where you are to the land that I will show you. And he's known as the father of the faith, because Abraham was walking not by what he saw, but by what he heard. God, where are we going? I, I, I'll show you when you get there. Right? And so, not only did he, did he say, Abraham, get out of your country, but he said, also, Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a baby. You're going you're gonna to have a child. And I could imagine that just like any parent, the excitement that would come to Abraham, Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, the, the excitement, you know, them meeting with God and then getting away in their tent and, and, and trying to help God, but also being thankful for, for that word. And I could just picture in my mind them Googling names, right? Boys and girls' name and, and you know, none of them the name of a previous boyfriend or girlfriend because that's illegal. Um, and they're excited. Sarah's looking up, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. And, and they're just excited about all of that. And, 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 and that's chapter 12. That's chapter 12. Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. We're going to have a baby. It's going to happen. 
And then in Genesis chapter 15, in verse 1, it says, sometime later. Can someone say that out loud with me? Sometime later. Genesis chapter 12 was the excitement. It was the promise. And the first month went by, and they were, there was excitement in the air. There was excitement between Abraham and Sarah. A month goes by, and Abraham is, Sarah, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? No, I don't think so. And then another month goes by, and another month goes by, and then a year goes by, and then sometime later. We're not sure how much time passed, but most scholars and theologians say at least a decade where they go from receiving the promise of God in John in Genesis chapter 12 and the excitement of that that I'm going to have I'm going to have a, a child that it's not going to end with me and God has has blessed us with this word and and then they're at a season in life in Genesis chapter 15 where they almost wish God had never said anything because sometime later sometime later God says you're going to be pregnant and there's joy there's excitement and then over a decade passes and somebody say sometime later sometime later and we often find ourselves like Abraham and Sarah with the promise of God immediately followed by a sometime later. What are the things that God has spoken over your life, over your children, over your marriage, over this church, and over this community that what immediately followed was a sometime later? Abraham responds in verse 2, and he says, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son, he says. Here, here's Abraham. God, where are you? Did you forget about me? Did I not hear you right? Where are you? What happened that night that I thought I heard you say this? Was it bad manna? Is it bad pizza? A bad shawarma? Where are you, God? Did I hear you right? Because from Abraham's point of view, nothing was happening at all. So what did he do? He did what we do so often. He lowered his expectations of God. God said... You'll be the father of many nations. And he said, I don't even have a son. And I came to talk to somebody who's lowered their expectations of what God might do. I hope you remember this. And I hope that the Spirit of God will drive this into your soul and plant this in your soul. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. You have no idea. The problem with us is that we're all human. We're incredibly limited in our perspective. We tend to think addition. God tends to think multiplication. God told Adam and Eve in Genesis, and some of you know how to end this, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Because he thinks multiplication, we think addition. When we think, as humans, we think addition. God thinks multiplication. But you have no idea what God can do, what he can produce through a single seed planted in faith. Jesus said, a sower went out to sow, and as he did, some seed fell on good ground. And that seed, once it hit the ground and was buried in that dirt, 
produce 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. If it was up to us, the one seed will produce another seed, addition. But with God, one seed brings forth in multiplication 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And if you've come through a season in life where you've lowered your expectations in what God can do in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your children, in your church, or your community, I've stopped by to tell someone it's time to dream bigger again. It's time to believe God again. God is not just going to bring addition into your life. He's going to multiply you. He's going to exceed your expectation. He's going to do something big in and through your life. Somebody give him praise for just a moment. We think addition, God thinks multiplication. Somebody say multiply. Because you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. When you put a seed in the ground, what do you see? nothing for a while you see nothing but what is happening while you see nothing underneath the ground God is doing something that seed that you don't see nothing happening there's something that's happening under there that seed is dying and it's cracking and there's roots that are going down and God is allowing the rain to fall and the sun to shine and there's something that's happening underneath the ground because just because you don't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't doing anything and so a seed when planted you don't see nothing at first but there's something that's happening Sometime later, the Bible says. Sometime later, Abraham wanted a son, and decades pass. Decades go by. But you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. A number of years ago, my family and I in the church that we pastored and we led at that time went through a faith journey. The faith journey began in the fall of one year where I was in the worship center of that church on the stage by myself on a Saturday night and I was praying. I was praying that day for vision for the upcoming year. God, what do you want to do through us and through this church this coming year? And I remember as I was laying there, I heard God. I heard God. And I didn't hear him audibly, but I, I heard him, I heard him in, my, in my spirit or in my heart. How do I know I heard God? Because immediately I just, I felt his presence. And I remember I began weeping. And it was something that totally came out of left field. God said to me, he said, Juan, 2010 is going to be the greatest missions year that this church has ever seen. Now I was praying, when I was praying it was 2008, fall of 2008. I was asking God about 2009. And God completely ignores my question and says, let me talk to you about 2010. And he says something that I didn't even have a grid for. I didn't have a So I was only at that church for a year. And here, when God said it, I knew it was him, and so here's, here was my conversation back with God. But God, I've only been here a year. I, I've, never, I've never raised money like that. I don't even know what that means, the greatest missions year. Like, for all I know, this church could have given a million dollars to mission, and you're saying we're going to beat that? I've never raised money before. I, I've never done a missions convention before. Never been a part of one. And I've, I'm, God, I'm all, I've only been here for a year. I don't know that I have the leadership capital to challenge a church and say, hey, guys, trust me. We're going to do this thing. 
And I remember having that conversation with God, and one of the thoughts I also had, one of the things I said to God, I said, but God, if I ask your people to give more, that's going to be less in their pocket. They're not going to like me too much, right? And God said, I just felt God saying, trust me, 2010 is going to be the greatest mission of the year this church had ever seen. And then guess what immediately follows that conversation with God in the fall of 2008? Some of you business people with investments know what happened. The recession. Started late fall of 2008, ran through all of 2009, and God, who foresaw that, said, your church is going to do something amazing for missions. What was that? It was a seed. And so I said, all right, God, we'll trust you. And I started going to pastor's meetings. And the leaders at these meetings, you know what they were saying? We are in a recession. And we're going to have to start cutting our budgets at church. And the first thing you cut at a church when things go bad is missions. Missions. And I remember saying, God, that's not what you told me. And it was another Saturday night. This one time it wasn't at church. I'm laying in bed. And I said, but God, this is what they're saying. But you're not saying that. He said, no. And I said, what do I do? He said, stop hanging around turkeys and start flying with eagles. That's what he said. Now, when I say that, I, I, there, I feel guilt because in no way am I calling pastors turkeys. What, I, what I'm saying is the mentality. He said, I want to call you higher. I don't want you grounded. And so immediately in one month, I kid you not, I ran into three pastors in our nation that God has used tremendously in the area of missions. And in one month, I run into each of them. And their story is everything God has asked us to do. And so I began to take God at his word, and I began just preparing the congregation and preaching messages on faith. I remember preaching things like that obedience to God's instruction is the breakthrough for the miracle. That many times we're waiting for a miracle to happen and we're praying, God, do a miracle. And God looks down and says, I won't. But here's what he's faithful in doing, giving you an instruction. And I began teaching the church that, that one, of the, one of the ways that God grows our faith is through finances. You know why? Because faith is trusting God, right? But what is the one thing in life that if we had more of, we would feel like we're okay? Finances. And God looks at that and says, you need to replace your trust that you have on finances and realize that the one thing in life that if you had more of, you'll be fine, is me. Not that. And so it was a process of taking through the church through that and, and, and talking about saying things to the church like, if you take care of God's world, he'll take care of your church. Reminding the church that the only reason we're here, we're not into building buildings. We're, we're not, in, we're not in, in, into just doing programs. That's not why we exist. That we're here for one reason, and that is to reach lost people with the message of Jesus Christ. And when you take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. And so all of 2009, we were preparing the church. And in the fall of 2009, a year later, we do our first missions convention. At that point, I knew the numbers we had to beat. The numbers we had to beat were a number of years Previous, the church had given 262 some thousand dollars to world missions in one year. And so I said, well, that's the number we've got to be, right? And so we went after it, and I challenged the church. This is what God said, and we prepped them for a number of months. Fall comes around, fall of 2009, and can I tell you, in fall of 2009, the faith promises come in. Now, this is a church of just about 300 at that time. It was smaller than it was when we left. It was just about 300. And the number, the faith promises come in. The faith promises, what people said, it was a pledge. Here's what we're going to do by faith. And it was an incredible season as those faith promises come in. We tallied them up, and I'll never forget the number. $316,452.12. I'll never forget it. The first three numbers. Three, sixteen. I hear you, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. Well, I'm here to tell you, we did not give $316,452.12 to World Missions in 2010. A church of 300 gave close to half a million dollars to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. 
I came to build somebody's faith because you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. Abraham, where are you, God? Where are you? And the Bible says that he sits in his tent in Genesis chapter 15. And he's looking at the world. Nothing's happening. God isn't working. It's not happening. And he's confined to his tent. Not only is he in a tent physically, but he is in a tent spiritually. He, he's in a tent of low expectations. He's in a tent that has, that, has, that, has, that has made his world small. His perspective is closed in. That's what he sees. His world, everything that he sees, everything that he believes God can do, his expectation, his perception, his faith was limited to that space. And throughout the scriptures, you see that whenever we go through those seasons, that you can call it a tent, you can call it a cave, you can call it a den, you can call it a bubble. If we're not careful, we become confined to our own limits that we place on God. And we don't believe Him for more. And we don't expect for more. We lower our expectations and we settle for what we see. And whether it's Joseph in the pit or whether it's Gideon in the hole in the ground called a wine press, whether it's Daniel in a lion's den or whether it's Jesus in a tomb, whether it's a cave, a den, a tent, a bubble, if you read Genesis 5, the Bible says in Genesis 15, 5, that the Lord took Abram outside because we hide in structures of unmet expectations but if God met all of your expectations he could not have a chance to exceed And we find ourselves in the smallness, in the confinement of the bubble, the tent of unmet expectations. And anything that we believe God can do and will do and promise is kicked down the road for another day because we are confined to the reality of unmet expectations. We lower the standard of what God can do. We lower our expectations and we're frustrated with smallness. But in God, the Bible says in verse 5 that God took Abraham outside. And that's what I'm believing for God to do to all of us, many of us, me included here today, that he pops the bubble of unmet expectation that may be hanging over your life, that he takes you out of your tent of small thinking and, and, and small dreaming and, and unbelief and, 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 and faith that's no longer trusting and has its anchor in God, that God will take you out of your tent of unmet expectations because you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. And if you let him, God will let, God will take you outside of your context, outside of your perspective, and outside of your unmet expectation. Because Abraham had limited expectations in his tent. Abraham, I told you in Genesis 12, I'm going to bless you. But God, what good is your blessing when I don't even have a son? And what did he do? He looked around the tent. That's what he looked at. And the Bible says that God brought him outside. And if we were honest, we would say that he had every reason to be upset. The Bible says he, he brought Abraham outside of his tent. And what happened? Verse 5. Put it back up there. Verse 5. He says, Abraham, 
Look up. What do you see? Look up. Victory Christian Center, look up. What do you see? God said, the stars, if you can count them, that's what's coming to you, Abraham. And Abraham comes out of the confinement of unmet expectations, looks up into the night sky and says, oh my God, I was thinking a son. You were thinking nations. I was thinking addition. You were thinking multiplication. I thought you weren't up to anything. Because while I'm waiting for fruit, you're working on root. That when I'm waiting for stuff to happen out here, I didn't see in the unseen realm that you're working on something. And if I just were to have you meet my expectation and give me what I want, I rob from you the opportunity of exceeding my expectation and exceeding my want. Because you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. Here's what's so crazy to me. Is that all the way back to Abraham in a tent, devastated because it wasn't his way and his timing, all the way back and all the way to today, that story speaks directly to you if you're in Christ. Because the Bible says in Galatians 3.29, if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed. You are a seed of Abraham if you're in Christ, the scripture says. And we also have a song that says it too. Father Abraham... They're Abraham. I'm one of them. So let's all praise the Lord. Right on, right? I don't know the rest of the song. We're going to have to stop there. Oh, my God. In an arid desert... While a man struggled in a tent with unmet expectations, just wanted a son. God brings him outside of his bubble and says, look up. If I give you what you want, you'll rob me of what I really want to do. And to think that as Abraham looked up, He saw you. See, see, because God said two things to Abraham. He said, the sand's on the shore. The sand on the shore. If you can count them, that, that, that's, that's what's coming out of you. You know what that speaks of? That speaks of the Jewish people around the world because it's of the ground. But the stars is where you and I come in. Because it's one thing for his descendants to be as numerous as the sand of the seashore. But then there are others that are going to be grafted in that there's no connection and the only possible way for this to happen is for us to look up and realize that this is something heavenly. And that you and I are the stars that Abraham saw that God, while Abraham was thinking of a son, God was thinking of you in this room. Because you have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. Don't ever measure God's unlimited power by your limited expectations of what you think God can do. Just because you don't see it, it doesn't mean God's not doing it. You have no idea what God can do through a single seed. Let me say it this way. You have no idea how God can, what God can do through a single prayer prayed in faith.
You have no idea how God can multiply a single gift given in faith. You have no idea what God can do through a single expression of love given in faith. Don't underestimate God's faithfulness. Don't underestimate the power of God. You're thinking a son. God is thinking nations. You're thinking a son. God is thinking nations. You're thinking two services. God is thinking something much bigger. You're thinking just your son coming back and getting off marijuana and getting off drugs. God is thinking apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, evangelist. You're thinking, God, if you could just hold my marriage together. God is thinking, I want to use your marriage and want to use you and your husband to speak life into marriages and use you. When my mom was thinking, God, just save my husband. Just save my husband. The alcoholic man just saved the kid's daddy. God was thinking, oh, I will. And he will pastor a church in Akron. But I'll also save his boy and use him. God was seeing this when my mom was praying. God, just save my husband. Keep my family from falling apart. God, you're thinking son, God's thinking nations. And I love that about God. And what we need to do as a church is get out of the bubble of low expectations and unmet expectations and wants and needs and look up to the sky and say, God, the sky's the limit. God, nothing is impossible with you. Come on, somebody stand on their feet and look up. Because God, God's not interested in just giving you what you want or what you hope for. He's not interested in giving you what you want or what you hope for. Because if all he did was give you what you want, you will never have the chance to blow your mind. Because unto him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, over the top, mind-blowing, miraculously, out of this world, fantastic, unbelievable, above all that you can ask or think, now unto him be the glory forever and ever and ever. God, don't give us what we want. Verse whatever bubble that we're in. Take us out of our tents of unmet expectations. God, help us to stop praying for a movement that's decades to come. Help us to see that you're doing something in our day. Let me end with this. In the Bible, whenever Jesus went to a wedding, he went with his mom. And the Bible says that they ran out of wine at the wedding. Some of you know the story. Jesus' mother says to Jesus, hey, they ran out of wine. That's, that's, that's woman code. Jesus, they ran out of wine. <laughs> and Jesus, guys, it's got to make you feel good. Jesus looks at his mom and says, what's that have to do with me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus, guys, that's awesome. <laughs> and the Bible's, you know, Mary said, do something. And Jesus said, it's not my time. And I love Mama Mary. Because she doesn't say another word of Jesus. 
she looks at the fellas and says, guys, whatever he tells you, just do it. Only a mama could do that. And so the guys go off. Jesus said, go ahead and fill pitchers up with water and bring them to me. And we know the story. He turns the water into wine and the people drink. Now, I'm going to ask all of us to finish this, this phrase and I want all of us to do it out loud. The Bible says that the people were so astonished at how good this wine was that they said this. Say it with me. He saved the best for wrong. It doesn't say that. And if God can bring us out of our tent and hear his word, because the scriptures literally go home look at it didn't say he saved the best for last it says he saved the best for now we're thinking last but God is thinking now we're thinking revival tomorrow but God is thinking revival now why not now he's not going to get any more Jesus than what he already is He's not going to die any more deaths. He's not going to send any more Holy Spirit than the one He's already sent. He's not going to get any more gooder. He's not going to get any more mightier. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Healings. It's not last. It's now. Your son and daughter. It's not next year. It's now. Your marriage being restored your body being healed what are we waiting for he saved the best for he saved the best for he saved the best for come on give God praise hallelujah praise him like you believe it hey now, now wholeness, now awakening, now revival, now salvation, now healing, now miracles, now prodigals coming home, now marriages being restored, now. Prayer team, come forward, honey, come. I want the prayer team to look at me. Everybody on the prayer team, look at me. The time is now. The time is now. It's now. Now. Deliverance. Now. People being set free. Now. Now. He saved the best for now. Salvations. Now. Miracles. Now. Restoration, now. Freedom, now. Awakening, now. Now. We serve a now God. We serve a now God. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Victory Christian Center to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. And so if you're here today, and whether it's a healing that you need God to do in your body, maybe you received a bad doctor's report, I'm telling you, healing is now. 
Maybe you're here and maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. He saved the best for this moment because he knew that you would be here. Maybe you're here and you need God to touch your heart again. Maybe you stopped dreaming. Maybe you've, you've crawled into a tent or a cave or a den of low expectations and unmet needs. God is saying, come out and believe me for more. There's more to life. There's more to faith. There's more to what you've seen and even what you've heard. And so if you're here today, you need prayer for any reason. As soon as my wife and I get done blessing you, you get out of your seat and you make a beeline to someone up here at this prayer, on this prayer team, and miracles are going to happen. Because he saved the best for now. Keep your eyes open. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, I bless you. I bless you to know that you would experience to know what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. And may you be a testimony, a story of God's goodness read about by those around you of God's faithfulness, that He can be trusted, that He's a now God, that He's a God that not only meets your wants or meets your expectations, but He exceeds them every time. May you be a church that would stop believing for a son because God's plan for you was not just for a son. But God's plan for you was for nations. Embrace your destiny, Victory Christian Center. Embrace your future now. Embrace your calling. You are meant for more than what you've seen, what you've believed, what you've heard. God wants to explode in you and through you to touch the nations. And I bless you, dads. Happy Father's Day. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Love you. God bless you. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you today.